Howdy, y'all. Well, you all just took place, part in a, in a piece of, uh, of Chapel Hill history, and you didn't even realize it. You just watched the last production by our dear Annie Weber. Annie has been working with our children's ministry since 2001, and during that time, she has produced 33 plays to tell the Christmas and the Easter story. Nine of those she wrote herself, including the one that you just saw, which happens to be my favorite of the bunch. And so with this production of Christmas in Shepherd's Gap, Annie's last show is completed before she retires. And her, uh, her God-given creativity and her gracious spirit has been a blessing to this church and a blessing to our community and a blessing to the children that she is part of. And, uh, and although she hates this kind of attention, it would have been criminal of me not to allow a moment to, to, uh, to take notice of this. So would you please join me in expressing your deep appreciation for Annie Weber and her 16 years of ministry. Where is she? I sent out an email today. I said, Annie will try to escape. Someone's got to track her down. So is your wife trying to find her? All right. Well, when we find her, we'll get her. We have a special gift for her when she gets here and we'll tell you about that. But, uh, oh, well, there you go. (laughs) If you see her come in, give me the high sign. I thought before I share with you my 45-minute sermon, (laughs) I wanted to give you an update on the Ellis and Rachel uh, situation. Right now, they are scheduled for a, uh, an interview on January 22nd. That's the soonest that they could get in. We are, we are shaking every tree we know how to get them in this week for an expedited appointment. We are still holding out for the possibility of getting them here before Christmas Eve weekend, next weekend. But at this point, uh, the 22nd of January will be the soonest. And even that's no guarantee. We, we have to pray that they will be honor, uh, favorably received and that they will be granted their visa. So the story continues, but here's a wonderful piece. Ellis was invited to preach at his village uh, church in Marlowe uh, this morning, eight hours ago. And uh, he reported back to me that to that uh, service came a young woman who had uh, never come to their church before. And as a result of his message, she came to know the Lord Jesus. So there you go. We don't know what God is at work and doing, but we, he had one good eternal reason for them to tarry at least this long. This girl now has come to know the Lord. So that's wonderful. At the heart of the story that you just heard, uh, presented so magnificently, isn't that something, what you just saw today? At the heart of the story is the decision on the part of Papa Joe and Mary Dell to, uh, to love and to care for little baby girl. To, in essence, to become her foster uh, parents. When the rest of the mountain community utterly rejected her and turned their backs on her, they championed her and they protected her and they took care of her, uh, even though she was not their own. Very much like a certain silent character in our Christmas story. 
And so I would love to share a piece of that Christmas story with you this morning. It comes from Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as her husband considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Cindy and I visited Virginia, as you know, a couple of weeks ago. We went back, among other things, to see our daughter. Rachel is working for a church that is very... Ah, they're here? All right. Come here, you naughty girl. (laughs) One more time, would you say thank you to Annie for her faithfulness? I told them that you hate this kind of stuff. And I also had, an, uh, you, were, uh, there were, you were on assignment to keep her here. What did you do this morning? You snuck out. Anyway, Annie, we just want to say thank you for your 16 years of ministry. Here's a book that captures some of the many images of the 33 productions that you have done for us. This is uh, in honor of the legacy that you leave us. We love you. We are proud of you. We are astounded by your gifts. We're going to miss that. And we wanted to say thank you, didn't we? So thank the Lord so bless you. I won't even bother asking if she wants to make any remarks because I know the answer to that. (laughs) Cindy and I were back in Virginia a few weeks ago to visit Rachel. And uh, one of the things that their church is involved in is foster care. The reason is this. Virginia is the worst in the country in the fostering program. They are 50th out of 50 states. Uh, right now, the statistics are that if you, uh, if, you're, if you are a child who ages out of the foster program, by the time you reach 18, it, there's an 85% chance that you'll either end up in drugs, on, on drugs, in prison, or in prostitution. 
85% chance. It's horrific. It's dire. And so the state has invited the church to step in to help to rebuild this system, which is so broken and so devastating in the lives of the most helpless and homeless of their citizens, these young children. Um, one of the churches that is a big, has a big part to play in this fostering program, I drove by it, and I saw a sign that they had outside. It was this, even Superman needed foster parents. <laughs> As it turns out, so did Jesus, right? At least on the father's side, even though Joseph was betrothed to Mary. And you need to understand that betrothal in those days was more than a ring, more than engagement. It was like marriage without the sex. I mean, that was really it. It, that, it was everything but the sexual relationship. And to get unbetrothed, you had to be divorced. So it was a big deal. He was considered her husband. But, but even though they were betrothed, even though it appeared that Mary had betrayed him, even though it was humiliating for her, humiliating for him, uh, when the angel of the Lord invited Joseph into that first Christmas story, we hear this wonderful response. When he woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife and knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. That was the response of Joseph. He gave him the name. Notice that it was Mary, of course, who birthed the child, but it was Joseph, the foster dad, who was given the privilege of offering his name. I was thinking about this, though. It wasn't just the name Jesus. We know that was his name he was given, which means what? God saves. Say God saves. That's the meaning of Jesus. Did you know that? God saves, or the God who saves. Turns out, though, Joseph gave him a second name, too. What was it? It wasn't Christ. I heard someone say Christ. That was not his second name. His last name was not Christ. The, he gave him the, his full Christian, his full name would have been Joseph, uh, Jesus Bar Joseph. Did you know that? Jesus Bar Joseph. Jesus, the son of Joseph. Joseph became the, father, the foster dad to, to Jesus, who was the son of God. It's an amazing story. Of course, he could have responded differently, couldn't he? How many of you have ever seen the TV show uh, uh, Shark Tank? If you haven't seen it, it's pretty cool. You ought to watch it sometime. It's a story about how people bring in their inventions to a group of investors. They're called the sharks. And they make their pitch and they try to get these sharks to invest in their, um, in their idea. But if the shark doesn't like it, he'll explain why he doesn't like it, why he doesn't think it's a good investment. And then they always end with the same two last words. What are they? I'm out. Say, I'm out. I thought, what, would if, what if Joseph had said, I'm out? What if when the angel of the Lord appeared to him, Joseph said, no way, I'm out. This is way more than I signed up for. This is a humiliation to me, to my family, to my parents. This is, this is going to be a, a, a journey that I never counted on. What if he had said, I'm out? But that's not what he said, is it? What did he say? Well, actually, he said nothing. We don't have a single word recorded in all of the Bible coming from Joseph's lips. Not one word. Mary did all the talking. Joseph was one of those tall, silent type. Mary, she had songs, she had poems, she had lots to say. Joseph got nothing to say. He didn't say a word, but what he does is act. We read that he woke and he took Mary as his wife and he took Jesus and he named him. He took him as his own and he raised him and he trained him and he protected him. 
physically, literally protected him. And he prepared him in a way that we can't even imagine for the day when Jesus would come out and become the the person that God had sent him to be, the, 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 the savior of his people, the savior of the world. That was the role that Joseph chose to take on. It struck me as I was thinking about this aspect of the Christmas story that I think we often ignore this idea of Joseph as the foster parent of Jesus, the foster dad. What courage it takes to, um, to be a foster parent. It is not always easy. Things don't always turn out as you dreamed they might. And I know this is true because I've talked to some of you who have walked a harder road than you had ever expected. And yet it turns out Just as is happening in Virginia, there's an increasing number of people in our own Chapel Hill family who are viewing this as an opportunity for them to serve Christ and to serve their community, who are responding to a call of the Lord to invite the hopeless and the helpless kids uh, into their own family. And so this morning, I just wanted to honor that. Uh, In fact, I would like to ask this. If you are a I are or have been a foster family, a, an adoptive family, if you have been a part of, of, uh, of the uh, New Life Homes, if you have uh, ad- adopted or, or sponsored a child through World Relief or through ca- Compassion, or if you in fact are a, an adopted or a foster child of your own, could I just ask you, are there any here that would raise their hand and say, yes, that was best? Look around at this. Look around at this. This is a magnificent Uh, influence ministry that we are having in our community. The heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you think about it, is the commitment to give yourself away for the sake of others, isn't it? That's what Jesus came to do. He came to give himself away for the sake of others. And it could be that you are not called to be a foster parent like Joseph was, but every one of us is absolutely called to love our neighbor to the point that it is costly and risky and sacrificial, perhaps even humiliating. Every one of us is called to that kind of love. It's what Jesus encourages us, invites us, challenges us to do. So I just want to ask you this morning as we're thinking about this, who in your life, who in this Christmas season do you know that is in need of some of that risky kind of love? The love that might be awkward, an act of love that might be costly, that might even be in some ways humiliating for you. Who is it that God is calling you to reach out to in that way? Your response could be like the shark tank. You say, I'm out, not interested. But I think God calls us to something much greater than that. And our response could just as well be, I'm gonna do as the Lord has commanded me. What would that look like today? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the hands that went up in this congregation, the hands of those who've said, this is a a ministry that we want to be a part of. We're going to reach out and, and draw the least and the lost into our very own family. And Lord, not all of us may be called to that. Not all of us are called like Joseph was called. But you lay upon our hearts people who are desperately in need of love and affection and attention. And God, I just pray that in this holiday season when we are so wrapped up in the presence and the festivities and all of the rest that we will not forget those who are alone and abandoned and, uh, and lost. May we be your people who step up and with courage respond to your call, do as you have commanded and take them to ourselves. God, do this, we pray, through the power of Jesus Christ and all of God's people said, 
Amen.